Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Thanks for joining us today. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we are very excited about today's topic, which is recruiting talent in the workplace. Because as you know, we are all about bringing outside the workplace solutions for inside the workplace problems. Mm -hmm. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Charlie here. Did you know Eva and I have a really cool e-commerce shopping site? It's shopcharlieandeva.com. Check it out. You'll find custom designs that might just make a statement about you. And some great gift items, too. That's shopcharlieandeva.com. We're adding more designs every month, so be sure to keep checking back in. One last time, shopcharlieandeva.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Hey guys, um, welcome back. How are you, by the way, Eva? I am well, Charles. How are you? Excellent. Um, <laughs> so our next guest um, is the president of Heron Cole Consulting, and um, he is an advisor to CEOs on building superior leadership teams. And uh, we met Eric, and he really impressed us, and uh, we're really excited about him. But I just want to say first that Eric is the author of the upcoming book, Crowbar, Pry top talent out of your competitors. Hmm, we have to talk about that. <laughs> but his previous book, How to Hire A Players, is an Amazon bestseller. And um, he really um, made a mark on the industry. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So uh, we would like to introduce our very uh, next guest, Eric. Hello. Cold. Eric. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's great to Excellent. be with you. Uh, no, uh, I'm. We're very excited to have you today. We are, Eric, because um, you know we we do a lot of work around talent acquisition, talent retention, recruiting, and so on, and talent nurturing, talent nurturing in um, the workplace. And uh, when we met you, there was just something different about you. And um, you know, right off the bat, when you started talking about recruiting A players you know, got our attention because I know everyone knows how to speak to what they do, but maybe not so much as to who they are. So um, tell us a little bit about um, how to hire an A player. What what do we do first? Absolutely. So um, I would, as I, as I explain this topic and talk about this topic with the leaders, one, one of the things that I always say is you have to start with yourself and with your leadership team, which sounds like a, a funny place to start recruiting. But, um, you know, you, you all have seen a lot of different businesses. My experience is you really cannot create an A-player organization unless you start from the top and work down. And mm-hmm. so I always encourage leaders to say, if, you, if you're serious about this, you got to start with yourself. You've got to get yourself aligned. You've got to get your team aligned, your senior team aligned. And if you have that, that's an incredible asset 
to then reach out and be able to uh, to seek A player employees at every level in an organization. You know, so Eric, that just uh, you know, I just a question popped into my head. How do you know as a leader if your team is aligned or not? Like, and and do you ever? I'm sure you do. Do you ever run into anybody that thinks they're aligned and they're completely not aligned? <laughs> We, we all we all do that on a regular basis. Um, I, I have a tool that um, and a process that I take people through called creating an A player profile, and mm. uh, you can do that for yourself. You can do that for somebody on your team. Uh, and basically, it, it, it's simple. You say number one, what are the key results for this role? Uh, number two, what's the picture of success for the role? Meaning, it, if somebody's really operating at a high level, how would you know it? What would be happening? And then third. Um, Defining the competencies for a job. I, I always say the first step in defining what an A player looks like is to define what a B player looks like, <laughs> which may be counterintuitive. Uh. But when you first define what a B player does in a role, what, what, what's everything that they would do to do a solid job without getting fired, then take each of those competencies and define A player performance. If you put all that together, you've got a nice, simple tool that you can use to assess your own performance, to assess the performance of the people uh, on your team or anybody else uh, in your business. Wow. Okay. And I just want to uh, mention here, your website is herrencole.com, H-E-R-R-E-N-K-O-H-L.com. And is that where we can get the book? You know, uh, how I, to hire I, A players? I, 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 Amazon's the best place to get the book. <laughs> okay. And I know you all speak to a lot of authors, but uh, the book was published through Wiley. And I'm not going to get any better of a deal than uh, than you are going through Amazon. So that's where I send people to get uh, the book. Again, it's how to hire A players. Excellent. So I, you know, I'm excited about this, and I expect to see a lot of Amazon drones flying by, <laughs> dropping your book <laughs> right. off at all these little <laughs> drop off sites. Um, because you know, so here we are, right? What we like to do is we like to raise up the bottom of the structure and. What we like about what you're doing is you're level setting with the top structure saying you guys got to be an example, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we like that, you know, I'm just curious, um, what kind of resistance, uh, occurs from these, uh, senior managers when they hear something like this? Well, I mean, I have to start at the top in order to get change at the top. So, um, it, it depends a lot on the senior leaders. I, I think they're often. I think leadership teams, you know, are, are open to this idea, um, but at the same time, you know, I call it staring yourself in the mirror. Um, it's hmm. that's tough for anybody, and it takes it takes fairly enlightened leadership and and people who are pretty serious about moving a business forward. Um, but when they do it, they are really uh, they're really creating a platform. Um, to be an unusually good business, and that means they're going to be able to attract talent that other companies aren't going to be able to do. What, what I like about what you're doing is, you know, as a recruiter, so now you spent a lot of years as a recruiter, I take I it, right? Correct. And, and by going to the leadership teams in the company and having it start from there and have it scale down, cascade down, it's almost like you have the backs of the potential candidates. You're telling them, okay, guys, I'm running some interference. I'm going to these companies and I'm making sure that you understand what their values are 
So, um, you know, it just makes for a better team effort. And, you know, I don't often see that in a recruiter. So, and that's what singled you out. Um, so that's why we want to hear about all your little techniques and yeah. tools and, you know, how do you assess and all that stuff, which is really cool. And all of that stuff is in your book. It is. I take it. It is. Yep. And, and um, no, it's interesting. And I, and I appreciate um, the work that you all do and, and the focus that you have. And, and one of the messages that, that I give is that there are really not that many places for an A player to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all hear, you know, A player talent is very hard to find. And that's true. So are A-player companies. <laughs> yes. So to your I point, would, yeah, right, and that's part of what we're talking about here is to say when, when, when leaders are serious, really serious about creating um, an organization that does well and, but does good, uh, both in terms of, of the, the products or services it delivers and in terms of, of how it uh, leads and treats its employees, that's an unusual company. And I think there are, I know, actually, there are a lot of really good people out there who don't need a job. They have a job, but they would love an opportunity with an organization where they could really stretch their wings, they could do great work, they could work with great people. Uh, There's always going to be a market for that kind of job. You know, thinking about this, right, You, it makes the case for a company to say, hmm, let's see what the competition is doing. Let's be a center um, for talent acquisitions, let's make it known that, you know, our leadership team values the A player status and maybe we can pry away talent and we'll also be able to stay ahead of the competition. So, you know, there's a lot more that than meets the eye when you talk about recruiting A players, right? I mean, you know, if you guys have all the talent, uh, my business is going to suffer, right? So right. Um, it's no, sort I- of like... Re- Raises the bar for everyone, right? I, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, one of the other uh, topics that I, I discuss a lot is the importance of, of hiring business athletes. And what I mean by a business athlete is somebody who is really good and really talented in business in general, but they don't come from your industry. Um, mm. and, and, the, and I think that's important, one, because those people, I've seen them create a lot of value for my clients, but two, you show me a company that can do a great job of integrating a business athlete, and I'll show you a company that likely is a great place for A players to work. And, um, you know, you all did a show recently with Jeff McManus at Ole Miss. Uh, yes. yes. And uh, I listened to the show. I, th- I thought it was a really, really interesting interview. And um, one of the points that he made was that he, he runs a landscaping university. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what that says to me is he, this is what he does. In part, he hires and, and you know, for your, those of your listeners, he over. My understanding is that Jeff oversees uh, landscaping services for for Ole Miss for the university, mm-hmm. and so any anytime somebody runs a university of any sort, a corporate university, that means they want to hire people who are really good but don't necessarily know their business because they're willing to teach them what they need to know because they have talents that are very hard to find. And that, mm-hmm. Again, those are that, those are indicators to me of an organization and of a leader who's going to have great success at hiring eight players. Um, yeah, you hit it right, and that's why we had Jeff on. And you know, it's hard though, right? Because um, everybody these days is so silo driven and yeah. you know mechanics only, especially 
you know, in the IT business or, you know, even in the C-suite area, you know, who do you know? Where have you been? You know, um, what certifications do you have? So kind of lends itself to not recruit the way you're suggesting, right? It, it does, but it also creates incredible opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really does because, um, you know, the rock stars respond to people. I, I, I take nothing away from uh, automation and machine learning and the impact of big data analytics. I mean, th- those are going to impact every area of the economy, including recruiting. But at the end of the day, if you're good and you don't need a job, the only way you're going to make a move is if somebody sells you and says, hey, listen, you do great at this company. Come work with us. Come work with me. Come work for me. So, you know, there's there's huge opportunity um, if your competitors are doing the, you know, only online, only data, everything in silos. There's huge opportunities to break out of that box and really uh, attract some terrific people. Well, because you really need that internal person, in my mind, from what you're saying, is you really need that internal person that's the team builder and has and has a good eye and knows an A player that well, – because I know when you're talking about recruiting A players, you're talking about people that have already proven themselves. But I think in Jeff's case, he takes people that have proven themselves, but then there's also a person like him within an organization – that sees someone that maybe hasn't fully proven themselves yet, but sees that potential, sees that A player potential and knows how to nurture that potential so that now that A player is our A player. Yeah, right? just commit to your, your gut, right? Right. And and like you said, you know, when you when you've got A players that don't need a job, don't need to move, you need that person in the other organization that can speak to them and can speak their language and can show them why this is a good reason to move. And that's the person that really knows how to build a team, too, I would think. Yeah. No, I think wow. that's absolutely right. And I think that the best organizations take that person and have them teach every manager what it looks like to be a recruiter-in-chief for their business and for their team. Because, you know, as in everything else, you have to systematize things. and You've got to get an entire leadership and management team thinking this way, and then you've got a great shot of attracting all kinds of great talent. Yep, and um, just for the listeners, once again, we're speaking with Eric Herencole, and he is the president of Herencole Consulting and retained executive search firm. So, you know, Eric, we like to say here we get to cheat, right, because we get the expertise of uh, experts like you. But now I'm thinking, you know, if I'm an employee potential candidate somewhere, I think this book, How to Hire A Players, would really help me, right? Because I would see what, you know, what the uh, C-suites are doing, right, and how they're preparing. Yep, that, that, that's absolutely right. And I, I think it is um, all of this advice is highly fungible, meaning that you can take it and think of it when you're seeking a job as well as when you're seeking uh, to hire an A player. Yeah, and- and so tell us about the new book, though, too, because I find that really interesting with Crowbar about we've talked a little bit about bringing in, you know, other people, A players from other organizations that aren't necessarily looking. Yep. But how do you sort of position yourself as yeah, that person? I'm sitting in my office. I got my feet up. Right. I right. Mean, how do I how does somebody get to me? Yep. So, um, you know, it. 
when I talk about crowbar recruiting, what I'm talking about is how do you pry away top talent? And that means currently people who are currently employed. Um, that may be in the C-suite or in the senior leadership team. It may be in a sales organization or a software engineering team. But most people, not all people, but most people who are really good already have a job. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've already talked a little bit about the concept of recruiter-in-chief. One of the things I'm always counseling leaders with whom I work is to say, listen, we have to look for who's good, not who's looking. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. if, 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 uh, if a leader wants to hire who's the best, then they have a responsibility for figuring out who's good. And I talk about the idea of, uh, of building your farm team. I'm a big baseball fan. And in Major League Baseball, you know, if a player goes down today, they'll fly somebody up from a minor league team and have them on the field this evening and ready to play. And so I always want leaders to have, uh, you know, at least an index card, if not a Excel spreadsheet, with the names of five people on it who work for somebody else today, but who could work for them tomorrow, with whom they've cultivated cultivated a relationship, um, and you know, somebody they could call. They might not, that main person might not be um, available when they call them, but if they're not personally available, they become a great referral source. That's the kind of mindset. Um, right, so it's almost it's almost like we're always we're always out there, we're always in the market, look uh, communicating, um, um, because we're all on the same team in general, right? And it's good to know who's who. Um, so, Eric, you know, uh, we need to have you back because this is a great topic because um, we want to know more about you know how to select a recruiter, and you know this is just the tip of the iceberg, but we wanted to. Um, introduce our listeners to you. And once again, it's Eric Heron Cole, president of Heron Cole Consulting. And um, he's the author of How to Hire A Players. And just go and get that on Amazon. I see they, like I said, I want to see all those drones coming. And he also has another book coming out, Crowbar. Crowbar. So Eric, you're just, you know, slinging out there. That's really <laughs> cool because we need you, right? Um, that's, that's great. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. I, I've really enjoyed talking with you both. Excellent, Eric. Take care, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, Eric. Um, and once again, that's Eric Herrenkohl, and his website is herrenkohl.com, H-E-R-R-E-N-K-O-H-L. Eric is a good guy. Get the book, How to Hire A Players and Become an A Player. Exactly. Okay, and uh, stay with us. Uh, we will be right back. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. Hey, thanks for staying with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our topic today is recruiting talent in the workplace. So we were just talking about A players, but now we're going to be talking about other places to recruit really good, talented people. And our next guest is Colleen Cowles. She's an attorney, she's an author, a speaker, a teacher, and she's an advocate. She's a warrior. She is a warrior. Mm -hmm. And her passion and expertise are focused on minimizing the pain that families experience, improving outcomes for those suffering from substance use disorder. And she's an advocate for reform of the criminal justice system. And she is a big proponent of hiring people that have criminal records and a lot of people that are addicts have criminal records and we could be missing a huge pool of really good 
talent. So we are excited to have you here, Colleen. Thanks for joining. It's great to be here. So, you know, let's let's jump right into it. So we know that addiction is really complicated, and we know that people that struggle with addiction can get criminal records, and then they get clean, and then they have a tough time getting work. But if I'm if I'm um, an employer and I am struggling to find good people, how can I be sure that when I'm hiring someone, if I, if I decide to start looking in this direction, how can I be sure that the person that I'm looking at is would be a good fit? Like, well, how do I start? That's a great question, Eva. Um, when, when I speak on the subject, the, the first question that I'm, I'm uh, usually asked by employers is, are you crazy? Why would I want to subject myself to somebody with this type of a background? And I can relate because I, I, I as an employer, I have um, found myself dealing with, with employees uh, with addiction issues. And, and I think probably most employers at this point, if it hasn't happened already, it probably will in the future. But the, the world has changed over the last, well, particularly the last 10 years, where the numbers are so great at this point that if we wipe out anybody with a criminal convic- uh, conviction uh, and even a felony, we're wiping out about a third of our potential employees. Uh, and the, the statistics are, are staggering. Eight percent of the, the population right now has a felony. If you're a black man, 33 percent have felonies. Wow. Yeah. So, but I think that in, in answer to your question, as far as how to, it, I'm, I'm certainly not not suggesting that uh, that all people with criminal records are are the perfect employee, but right. the definitions of what is a felony um, have really changed. Um, by their own admission, um, Presidents Obama, Bush, and Clinton, if they had been in the right jurisdiction, um, would be felons. So. Mm. It, the, so when we look at it, 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 I think I can, well, I know that, that if I had been arrested at the right time, and I'm a tax-paying, law-abiding citizen, but I, I could have a felony. Um, most people, about 98% of all people, could be felons at this point because of the enormous number of laws that we have, and particularly with the, uh, the war on drugs and, and the way that it's, uh, that it's been handled. Um, so... Right now, um, 87% of all employers are doing background checks, and that's a good idea so that you know, um, you know what's going on. But if in your job description, if you're announcing up front that you do background checks, you probably won't even get the, uh, uh, the inquiries from anyone with a criminal record because they've been beat up and they, they don't want to be rejected. Um, you know. So my message is just being open-minded um, because there are some tremendous, talents out there of people that could really be uh, enormous benefits to your your organization. Um, a lot of times they'll be longer-term employees because it's difficult for them to, to find other opportunities. Um, and if once they're hired, um, they can be incredibly appreciative and loyal um, because they are really grateful for having opportunities. Um, and when we look at, at the potential for, um, for substance use, because so many of those people can really lose a lot if they end mm-hmm. up um, using, um, you know, at this point in their lives, they've got a lot to lose. So the incidence of drug use 
aren't greater than, than the general population as far as, as uh, general um, drug use. And a lot of times you can, you can actually get more for, for your money. Um, I believe that. But it is I important believe to that. Look, yeah. I, I believe that's true. At the background, though. Um, of course, um, but also the so. person. But you know, I, I got this made me angry when we met and we learned about this topic because I didn't have to learn about it, right? I know about it, but um, it wasn't on my radar. And there's there's a couple of things I just want to bring up. You know, we look at this as, or some might look at it as lending a helping hand, but. That's not why we're hiring this person. We're hiring this person because of their value that they bring to the table, just like every other person. Well, and I think that there is a big stereotype of what may, you know, the type of person that's a felon. And Mm -hmm. I like what you said about, you know, the presidents could have all had felon, could have all been felons, you know, depending. And I think it's important to talk a little bit about what what is actually what actually makes up a, a felony charge and how as an employer you can tell the difference between somebody that might be a serial criminal and then someone that has an addiction problem that has now subsequently taken care of it but has a felony yeah. drug addiction on their record but would be like you said a great employee and and on top of it a productive employee and a grateful employee for giving the for being given the opportunity. Yeah, so I think one of the the important things on um, I think for for all of us to um, to be aware of is that treatment has changed over the years, and we know a lot more now about how to treat addiction and and, and what causes it. Actually, um, we've got medications now that will cut the overdose rates in half. And for those, those people on those medications, um, they can go back and lead normal lives um, through the appropriate treatment. And frankly, a lot of the, the stigma I really had to look at closely when I started looking at the treatments available because if we've got medications that will allow people to live normal lives and, and to get past the the horrible um, symptoms of, of someone in active addiction, then are we stigmatizing people and putting people behind bars because they didn't get the proper medical treatment? But yes. from an employer's standpoint, it's also important to know that because a lot of people who have, um, you know, sorted past as far as felony convictions for drug possession, um, which can be pretty, um, it can look pretty ominous when you look at a, a criminal record, um, but those people truly can, can uh, lead normal lives and, and be great employees. Um, as far as what can be a felony, um, in one state, you can be an entrepreneur um, in the, the cannabis business, and in, in another state, um, well, for example, if, if you're arrested with a joint in Oklahoma, that's a felony. Uh, mm. In Tennessee, if it's over half an ounce, that's a felony. Um, even in... In serious drug possession cases, in some jurisdictions, that will get a person free treatment and no criminal charge, and another person will have a felony and do prison time. So there's there's incredible uh, differences from jurisdiction to, to jurisdiction. And then when you look at the criminal record, the prosecutors, just by nature of, of their jobs, are are typically 
charging with anything that they can possibly charge with because over 97% of cases now are settled by plea agreement and it makes it easier for the mm-hmm. prosecutor to say, well, we have all of these different charges and so you better take the plea on this one and, and not take it to trial. But if an employer picks up that record and you look at um, a person who, who gets caught with a pill in their pocket and, uh, um, and a small amount of, of marijuana can have uh, a conviction or at least a charge for paraphernalia. If they happen to be sitting in a car for operating a vehicle um, uh, while under the influence, even if they weren't driving, um, it, uh, for, uh, um, for the possession of cannabis and then possession of a controlled substance. So you can have this laundry list of things for one very minor uh, problem, um, but yeah. that's all going to show up on the record. So. Uh, no, even if someone, um, has, a mis- even no, if someone has a misdemeanor and they miss an appointment, they may end up with a bail jumping felony, and that just means that they didn't uh, didn't make an appointment with the probation officer. So Jeez. it can uh, it can look. You know, uh, there's a lot of details here. You right? better never get convicted uh, because I, you're going to miss stuff. I'm going to miss stuff, <laughs> but I, you know, and I'm 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 not really uh, advocating anything bad. Okay, but. We have, a, I'm seeing this now, we have a real denial problem here, right? And the denial problem is, it's probably the opposite. So the light turned red and I stopped. The guy in front of me made the green, so he's gone. I got pulled over, so I had maybe something in my pocket, as did he. <laughs> he got, right. so there's no difference between <clears throat> us other than, than you know, uh, I got arrested. Um, not that that's, you know, that's, I should have, I guess. Um, but the thing is, I think it's the, also the opposite that if we get arrested, we kind of get the memo and we get on a program where that guy that made it through the light, he's has no, it's not on his radar to stop. Well, and it doesn't even address how many people are addicted to alcohol. Yeah, it's it doesn't address alcohol, so I right. know. And, and we know that that's definitely a problem, as, as big a problem as the drug problem. It's just that the drugs now, you get a felony charge, and for alcohol, unless you're driving, but if you're not driving, you know, there's no issue, but you've still got employees yeah. that are addicted. Jeez. Yeah, well, it's, it's a, it's a great... It's for employers, not, not only <clears> in, in uh, finding um, the you know, using this great pool of, of uh, employees, but the, the war on drugs has impacted us as employers in a lot of other ways, too. Things like, I think most of your listeners are probably aware of, of uh, not depositing over $10,000 in cash because that mm-hmm. can be seized, um, and even if it's under that, it can look like, um, you know, something is being hidden. Um, or on um, uh, Watching family members who are dealing with addiction in the family uh, is costing business a lot. So mm-hmm. it's, it's being aware of the impact on everyone. Uh, and once we're aware, there really are some, some huge opportunities um, because we, we do have this huge pool of, of uh, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, if you look at federal and state criminal records, as many as 100 a million Americans have a criminal record. I'm not saying all of them would be great employees, but that's a huge pool of potential employees that could really contribute to uh, to your business. Yeah, I agree. And we're leaving greatness on the table if we're not looking there. 
You're right. We really are. And a lot of times you've got people that don't have records simply because they had the money to get out of stuff, yeah. right? I mean, um, to get out of convictions. And a lot of other people, you know, just didn't have the kind of means to be able to get a, a good lawyer and get them off, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we are, we are missing out. On I mean, a lot I get of really it now, great right? People. And, you know, so you have a criminal record, um, Joe. Are you in a program now? Yeah. Oh, that's perfect to me because I know that the guy's on a short leash, right? And I know that he's being honest and this might be the greatest thing for both of us. Well, and, and I'm going to play a little, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here though, too, is that if I hear having having experienced people in addiction myself personally, when I hear that somebody's in a program, that's not long enough for me. And how do you, how do you get a comfort level? I know we talked about it. We touched on a little bit, but how do you as an employer get a little bit of a comfort level around when is the appropriate time to hire somebody or how do we make sure that they are taking their medication or is there a way to do that? Or do we just take a little bit of a leap of faith by looking at the background and, and just saying, okay, this person looks like they just had a slip and, but overall they're fairly stable. I think looking at the, the background really is key. Um, if, if, you know, if there's violent crime there, particularly if it, it was recent, uh, it depends on, on what the job description is too, because depending on what the, the charge and what the, the conviction was, uh, if that directly relates to something that could be an issue for your, your business, now that has to be considered. Uh, as yeah. far as, as, as the amount of time and the type of program on, that's difficult because we're, we're discovering more and more that what we really need is a medical diagnosis because a lot of times there's either uh, self-medication for chronic pain or self-medication for other things. So we really need medical diagnosis prior to treatment. So often with addiction, we, we are treating it based on where we can find a bed or uh, walking into a, a meeting. Um, all of those things can be really good, but if they're not individualized to what the needs are of that individual person, um, that, that can be helpful or it, it cannot be. Um, so as far as looking at, at what the, the risk factor is and whether somebody's a, a fit, the big thing is being able to have a conversation with them and finding out what the circumstances were, what they've done recently, um, how stable they are. Um, so it goes back to a lot of the same types of things that you would uh, would use to, to judge any other employee. Uh, yep. It's just you know trying to take that cloud away to to uh, to have an open mind, and that can be tough um, because yep. there's a lot of fear for all of us as far as what you know what can happen. Uh, sometimes we, people with a criminal record may not interview very well either because they're a little afraid. <laughs> Yep. Right. No, that's true. And, and uh, it wouldn't be nerve wracking. Maybe we could help in that arena. But um, I, I want to give out your website, right? Because uh, you are a true warrior. And your website is SurviveYourChildsAddiction.com. Please go there. Learn more about Attorney Coles. And also, you're also the founder of How the War on Drugs is a War on All of Us because, you know, it does impact us all. We're all in this together. But one last thing that I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, the deck is stacked out there, right? The competition is tough in the job market at all levels. It's on us as individuals to present ourselves. So, you know, people with addictions and maybe criminal history, 
they have to go the extra yard in their resume and their presentation. They have to practice and rehearse, maybe list references on there to help them. They really got to come out strong if they want to make a make a dent in the job market themselves, I would think, right? That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Well, Colleen- one, one last thought for the employers. Mm-hmm. Also, there are some state and local rules as to what you can and cannot ask, and that's probably a topic for another conversation, but – um, but on the federal level, you can you can ask um, basically what what you want. On the state level, depending on your jurisdiction, there are some restrictions as to when you can ask questions and what you can ask. So it's important to check those those uh, those regulations. And we would love to have you back to go over some of the statistics more and get a little deeper into this. So this has been great. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for being here. This was really helpful and really informative. We really appreciate your expertise. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was, it was uh, a joy to talk to you. Yeah, and again, care. that was um, Colleen Cowles. She's an attorney, author, speaker, teacher, and advocate. And you can learn more about Colleen and her work at SurviveYourChildsAddiction.com. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, guys, um, learning a lot today about recruiting and things like that. Our next guest is um, the managing director of Rickland Resources, um, a resume service and full career services company. Um and we have with us Michelle Ricklin. Michelle, are you with us? I am. How are you? Excellent. Thank Hi, you so Michelle. much. You know, we um, we needed to hear from you because we've been getting a lot of information about recruiting and about the job market. And, you know, we even were talking about um, hiring people with criminal pasts and addictions and such. So yeah, we kind of in, in two short segments had a spectrum of who you can hire. Yes. And so we need to hear from the expert too on, you know, how do we, if we fit into any of those categories, how do we put it all together? You know, so um, what, what are some of the functions you guys do in your company? So, we, we pretty much create any kind of career marketing tool that is needed for the job search or to prepare somebody um, just to have a positive online presence or to be prepared for if they do want to start looking for an opportunity, whether it's internally or externally. So uh, when I say marketing materials, that means anything from um, letter of introduction, resume, bio, LinkedIn profile, um, and uh, if I could just for a second just explain the difference between those because they're all different tools. Uh, but your your bio, I like to explain as being uh, something where someone else is presenting you. And your resume is you are presenting yourself, but it's all in the implied first person. And then LinkedIn is you are trying to engage and start in a conversation. So what you are writing is intended to be more conversational, to draw the person in so that you can start a dialogue. And even though all of those are are different and written differently, the messaging needs to be consistent throughout all all of those. Excellent. So in a bio, it would be Charlie is, 
and in my resume it would be I do this and so on. That's the difference. Um, so that's yeah, that's good to know. And I just want to um, give a shout to your website, which is RicklandResources.com. That's R-I-K-L-A-N-R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E-S, Rickland Resources, because it seems like everybody might need your services. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I do like to say you, you always want to be prepared. You never want to be caught in a situation where you have a chance meeting and you strike up a conversation and somebody says, you know, I, I have a really interesting opportunity and I'd love to talk to you about it. Could you send me your resume? And mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be in a position at that point where you have to turn around and say, oh, you know, I, I haven't put it together yet, so let me let me get back to you in a few weeks. Because by that point, you know, you, you're already not being considered. Right. Um, right. And I think that it it feels to me – that everything is changing, like the rules keep changing every year. And so I think it's so important that people have their finger on the pulse of what's happening. Like if you look at a LinkedIn profile, you know, people are looking at those profiles now, I think more than ever before. I think that's the first spot that they look before they even ask you for their resume. Or it, or is that not true? Well, it's it's either the first touch point or it's the second touch point. So it really depends. Okay. Um, let's say that somebody is looking for a candidate and they go on LinkedIn and it is the number one tool that hiring managers, agencies, um, HR uses to find and then vet their candidates. So that that may be the first place that they're looking. They find the person online and then they say, oh, this is interesting, and they connect, and then they ask for the resume. Uh, on the flip side, a hard copy of a resume gets passed on to someone, or you give it to somebody to give to someone else, or you mail it, or you're doing a marketing campaign for yourself for a new job, and they have the hard copy on their desk. Well, first thing they're going to do after looking at that hard copy briefly is they're going to look you up online. So mm-hmm. it's always either the first or it's the second touch point. So if someone called Rickland Resources um, and said, "Well, I have a I have a LinkedIn profile already. Um, I just you know I want you to help me get a job or whatever," you would you be would do you provide like consulting services to review someone's profile to say, "Yeah, you do have a profile, and I take it you're out of work," you know, <laughs> or something where you can enhance or make them better, right? They don't have to many. Most people have a LinkedIn profile in the business world or the business community, but maybe it's hurting them, right? Absolutely. So actually the way that I work is uh, anyone that wants to have their resume or LinkedIn, if they're considering my services and they want want to go through their existing materials, I do offer free consultation. So we, you know, we, do a, we do a 15-minute phone call. We discuss the resume and or discuss the LinkedIn profile. And I'll point out, you know, some of, you know, without, without over-educating, you know, I'll point, <laughs> I'll point out right. <laughs> what I can within that time frame and, um, and, and explain why, assuming that they do need the, the assistance, explain why they they may not be getting the, um, getting the traction that they're, that they're looking for and what we could be doing to improve it. And what are some of the mistakes that people tend to make? Like, what are some of the biggest things that you see that people do wrong when they're trying to look for a new position? Sure. So I, I think 
truly the biggest mistake that people make is creating cookie cutter materials. So um, I, I, I tell my readers that the beginning of the resume is, is where you really want to grab that reader and compel them to keep reading and then ideally to pick up the phone and call you for an interview. And if, if the resume starts where it's very generic uh, yeah. or there's no introduction whatsoever, then it's not going to be effective. So Dedica- dedicated those, professional with over 30 years in the uh, IT will click next, right? <laughs> um, right, exactly. So I so I have I have two rules of thumb about that. So if there's a summary and the summary really sh- can be um, your best selling point if you are providing a true value proposition statement. But if it's if it's generic and yes, it says, you know, uh, 30 years of marketing experience and looking yeah. to, you know, utilize my skills and my communication and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What that sounds like to me is the old Peanuts cartoon of wah, 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 wah. And, you know, as soon as, as, soon as I, that, that is what's going through my head, um, then I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that resume. So, so you don't want something to sound like, just noise, and you and you don't want something where you can cut and paste it and put it on someone else's resume. So you it, you really do have to put thought into, and that's part of what we do when we when we go through our intake. Is what is it about you that they need, and uh, it should have the same impact as if you're standing in some kind of an industry or networking situation, and you're having that conversation, uh, like I said before, and somebody says, you know. I think I've got something that you'd be really interested in hearing about, but I've got 10 resumes sitting on my desk. So you tell me right here and right now why you and not them, and I'll throw those away. Mm-hmm. And what yep. are you going to say at that point? And it's that kind of impact that needs to be communicated right up front in that resume. I so, love this. It's so immediate, right? Well, and, it, it, and I think so many people – don't look that deeply at their experience um, that they've had in a certain industry. They they can't always articulate the good work that they've done. It's not easy, right? No, it isn't easy, especially if you're in an industry where you've never had to sell yourself. Yep. Right. So, you know, we were in IT for years. I was in accounting. You know, those are industries where you typically, unless you're working for a consulting firm, you're not necessarily selling yourself. So putting yourself in that position of why I'm better than these guys can be really hard for some people. So, yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I agree. And but, Michelle, so if I see Rickland Resources as a career marketing and management company, um, I shouldn't take that as you only work with companies because you can really be helping individuals too, right? Yes, so I do both. I I have an outplacement arm, so I will work with organizations that are going through restructuring or um, a reduction in force, and I'll work with their affected employees. But the majority of my clients are individual clients. So it would be, you know, somebody that's potentially looking at, um, like I said, making a move. They could most Mm -hmm. mostly senior level to C level, but then on the, um, with that, I'll get a lot of phone calls then from my existing uh, executives uh, that I've done work with, and they, they'll say, hey, you know, I, um, 
I'm okay right now. I really don't don't need your assistance, but I, I have this kid that just graduated, and I can't get them off my couch. So you know, what can <laughs> yeah. you do for me? <laughs> well, when I look at so, so I, so I my clientele is mostly seniors to suite to C suite, but I have you know I do also work with mid level and, and see, occasional yeah, entry. Well, because they need you. They need you. I was just going to say Right, that. because everybody's so heads down in their laptops, their phones, especially younger people, they're not really learning how to position themselves and how to sell themselves, I would think. Right. No, they're um, not. And even and even though they're um, – absolutely, I don't think that they come out very well prepared. But even so, even at a much higher level, a lot of my clients are chief marketing officers. They can't market themselves. You know, it's very difficult to self-promote. It is. It's uncomfortable for a lot of us. I know it's not comfortable for me. And and I don't think it's that comfortable for you either, Charlie. I mean, no. you know, you're good at talking, but you're I'm not necessarily, talking. you know, too well-versed at marketing yourself. And so that, that can be tricky. And when I look, like, it is tricky. And when I look at, you know, the, so Michelle, the more I started looking at your website and Rickland Resources, you you guys do everything. It's almost like just don't worry about it. Just go to Rickland Resources and let them. It's not only your resume. It's your presence. It's your online presence. It's everything. Right. They'll simplify it from what I hear, right? It's not that complicated. Um, and what I'm hearing also, um, I'm not sure, but um, the format of how you present your resume or your career isn't as important as in the flow and the ease and the um, conversation that it, that it represents, right? Well, um, meaning on the, on the resume itself? Yes. So, so it's definitely a combination. It's a package. So, so I do, I do start off by telling, telling potential clients that you really do want to be in that product, uh, versus consumer mode. You are the product and this is your marketing tool and your potential employer is the consumer. And with that it, it does it it needs to be content rich. It needs to um, it needs to communicate the value, but it also does need to be packaged properly. That uh, no so I agree. It, what you just said I want to repeat, right? The candidate has to see themselves as the product. Right? Correct. They're a product. And the company that they're applying to is the customer, I guess. Yes. They, and I'm not sure people think like that. I mean, that's that's a really creative but common sense way to think. Right? Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, right. That's pretty. With, with, yeah, and and that's why when when I'll get resumes and they start off with an objective statement, and I don't think I've used an objective statement on a resume in over 20 years. Um, but the truth is, well, what is an objective statement? It's saying, I want this or I want that. And the truth is, is the companies don't really care what you want. They want to know what you have to offer them. He's close. And, and it's, so- it's the what's in it for me. And that's right. what the employer is asking when they pick up that resume. What's in it for me? And if they can't see that right away, then, you know, there's, there's, there's 50 others that are sitting there ready to be viewed. So you gave an example of a really generic um, introduction on a resume. So what would be like a powerful, I, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but if we thought about like, is, could you give an example of a powerful opening, a powerful introduction, just, you know, even the first sentence? Hmm. Good 
Good question. Let me let me. Um, it depends. It would depend on the me, level. It would, too. yeah. It would depend on the level. Yeah. I don't mean to put you on the spot with it. I was just thinking though, like what what makes something pop, mm-hmm. and does it start with, uh, with I? I would be speaking okay, in the first it's, person. Yeah. So so resumes are written in the implied first person. So you you drop the pronouns. Um, okay. And right. so and it, you know an example might be. Um, since we were talking technology, I think a little uh, coming out of a technology industry, um, here's an example. So if I was writing a resume for a technology executive, uh, I would I would brand them. This uh, I have somebody here who is at a at an organization, and they're the associate vice president of application development and information technology. So I start off by saying technology executive. And then that's the header underneath the contact information. Uh, and then underneath, I further brand that person and explain who they are and how they potentially fit into the organization with subheaders. And I application development, enterprise infrastructure, project management, data management, cloud solutions, and security. So do I you know have what to walk type- through. Do you have to walk that person through that, like water that down. Maybe that's intimidating to say technology executive. Um, do I have to walk? I'm you know, sorry, the, the, the candidate, no, is the candidate, would the candidate maybe be intimidated to say they're a, they're a technology executive? If they feel that those words are going to intimidate them, then they don't belong on the resume. So, so you know, so this has to be created so that they are comfortable. And if they're reading it and we're going over a draft and they say, you know, I'm not really comfortable with, with, with calling myself this or that, then we come up with something that they are comfortable with. Uh, you know, so, um, generally, generally we, we've got it, you know, when we start. But of course, if somebody says, you know, that's not really my language or, you know, I, I don't know if I can promote myself that way. You don't ever want to put a resume out there that you're not comfortable with. You, it really does need to be the blueprint for the interview. Um, no, that's good to know. Right. So I know you're on my side, too, um, as a candidate. And then I would do you try to map all of that together like. Do you want the online profile to speak somewhat to the resume points and vice versa? Is it all got to blend? The messaging needs to be consistent. Yeah. But, um, for example, with, with this particular individual, the, um, the, the resume is going to speak in the implied first person. The LinkedIn profile is really going to be more of a conversation where they're, where they're asking, um, the reader to engage. So, for example, um, in in the resume, I start out with that that way by you know immediately calling them out as a technology executive, and here are the things that basically fall under that umbrella. And then I say, you know, technology ex uh, uh, technology executive with experience across the full across the full spectrum of IT disciplines and deep understanding of technology's impact on business and academic performance. And then I continue um, to further explain who they are. Now, in um, in a LinkedIn, it's different. So I would say, as the associate, uh, associate vice president for application development at such and such company, I grew through the ranks and gained a deep appreciation for the role that I took mm, yeah. in business and well, academic performance. So I'm, I'm actually speaking to my audience and I'm telling my story. Yes, I get it. And, Perfect, and inviting it. them and inviting them to, you know, not only listen to my story, but then engage in a dialogue. Well, Michelle, we all need a makeover. We all need a career makeover. And I think Rickland Resources, I, I think you guys are awesome. And um, 
this is really, you know, we have more to talk about. We just don't have the time. So we ask that, you know, we keep it open for a return visit, hopefully, right? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So this has been great. And once again, RicklandResources.com, a full career and marketing services company, and um, they will do nothing but make you shine. So once again, thanks, Michelle, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Michelle. Michelle, this was really helpful. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, another great show, right? I mean, yes, it was a it was a terrific show. We had a lot of great conversation today. We got a lot of great tips. So thank you so much for joining us today. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and have a great week. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Special thanks to our producer, Dave Olson, and the TalkZone family. All our replays are available at TalkZone.com or in the iTunes store. Also, be sure to download the free TalkZone app so you can listen to our show at any time. Your suggestions and comments are always welcome. Please email us at info at Thanks again for listening.